In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, that's funny. <laughs> and it's funny because what Bob already knows is that uh, this passage from Isaiah has gotten me thinking about magic. So, you know, probably like you, I, I, I just really enjoy a good magic trick. Uh, no matter what kind of magic it is, maybe it's a, a great big stunt performance on a stage or just a up-close sleight of hand, uh, we love Magic. I, I love magic. Uh, it, it seems to make the impossible possible. Now, I've been working on a, a trick. Um, so it works about t- 10 or 20% of the time. So um, we'll, we'll see. You can, pray, you can pray for me. Huh? Pretty good. It fell on the floor at 8 o'clock. So good. Yeah. Now, the people behind weren't, weren't as impressed. It just, it just comes around. But um, next week, uh, by Christmas time, I'll be able to tear it off, tear off the edge, sign it, and you'll find it in your wallet. I mean, that's... Um, I'm watching YouTube. But, um, you know, I've seen lots of tricks on TV, but you never know about the cameras. But the, uh, the most amazing trick that I've ever seen up close, it's about 20 years ago at a Christmas party, and this guy took out, he just took out a business card... And I guess he like handed out his business cards, and then he took another one, and he punched a hole in it with a, with a hole punch, showed us the hole. We could see through the hole. And then he put his hand over the hole and moved the hole so it was on the other end of the, of the uh, card. And I just, it, it has blown my mind for 20 years not being able to figure out how he did it until I went on YouTube yesterday, and it's, it's just a little... Gimmick. I mean, it's just, I, you can see how it is. It was kind of disappointing, actually. But, um, you know, in, in, uh, in Harry Potter world, thank you, uh, they, they manipulate the laws of physics. That's what magic is. They, they manipulate the law of physics to their will by a combination of special powers and magic words. But in, in reality, in our world, we know that the magician has just stayed within the bounds physics, right? Just the, the card is on the, on the back of the hand. There's some subtle way in the trick, no matter what the trick is, there's some subtle way where the magician has distracted our attention or tricked our brain from seeing what's actually going on. But since we can't figure it out, it blows our mind and we love it, right? Have you, have you ever wondered why we love these kinds of tricks so much? Why oh, we love that form of entertainment. I may be overthinking it. I'm prone to do that sometimes. But I wonder if it's not because magic tricks just suggest, just suggest that what seems impossible may actually be possible. I mean, if it's possible for a magician to make herself disappear or to make a folded up card appear under your wristwatch, then maybe anything's possible. And if anything's possible, then no matter how dark our own situation gets, there's always hope. And that's the key word, isn't it? Hope. And it, might, it might sound a little silly to say it like that. I don't mean to imply there's a conscious jump in our minds uh, when, we, when we're watching a magic trick. 
from that sort of surreality to reality, but it, it taps this need we have in ourselves for the possibility of the impossible, for the joy of the unexpected and the unexplained being realized. It gives us hope because we are hardwired for hope. God has, when He made us, He has hardwired us for hope, not simply for illusion, sleight of hand, but those sorts of things sort of fan the embers within us that long for actual, real-life circumstances hope. That sort of, I'm in the dark, I don't know where to go, and I need to know that the light is coming, hope. God has hardwired us for hope. Because He's hardwired us for Himself. No matter where we've been, or what we've done, or who we've been associated with, or what we know, or no matter even what we believe, we can never get away from our need for God in our lives. God made us to be with Him, to worship Him, to have that Garden of Eden relationship with Him. But we live in a broken world and we find brokenness in ourselves. And so therefore, in those seasons when we're in the dark, or those seasons where we're in despair, or we're in doubt, we need hope, right? We need to know that the light is coming. And that's why we don't start the liturgical year, the church year calendar, uh, with the baby in the manger. The Episcopal priest and theologian Fleming Rutledge wrote wisely when she noted that Advent starts in the dark. Advent starts in the dark. Advent is a season of realizing our true situation. It's a season of longing. A season of waiting. But in that sense, it's a season of hope in the dark. We need to know the light is coming. And this is the message of the Old Testament prophet. Isaiah is speaking to a people who are in the dark. Now, several hundred years before the birth of Jesus, the people of God were defeated by the Babylonians. And they were carted off to a foreign land. But Isaiah is speaking to them now that they have returned from that exile. And they had returned to Jerusalem with high hopes Uh, High hopes for a return to the glory days. But after the initial high expectation, they were now uh, miserable. They had encountered tremendous amounts of resistance, unforeseen hurdles. The wall that they have built around Jerusalem is really just a patchwork of rubble. The temple that they have now looks like a country shack compared to the glorious temple of Solomon from generations ago. They're still under foreign rule. They're impoverished. They're oppressed. They're they're a laughingstock in some cases. They're disappointed. They're disillusioned. And they're wondering where God is in all of this. These are dark days. And there seems to be no solution in sight. No light on the horizon. And yet it is into this desperate situation, this darkness, that God speaks a word of hope through Isaiah. 
It's a word of proclamation that what seems impossible is not only possible, but it's certain. And before I read it, I mean, Sam read it. I'm going to read it again, some of it anyway. Before I do, I want you to consider two things. First, I want you to consider that these words are for you just as much as they were for the Israelites 550 years before Christ. Now, I doubt that there's ever been a moment in history where preachers could not say to their congregations uh, without irony, these are dark days. I don't want to be overdramatic, but there's a lot going on in our world. These are dark days. We've had just this year hurricanes and floods. We've got fires raging in California. We've had church shootings and concert shootings. I mean, headlines are coming out every day that sexual misconduct is just the norm. It's sickening and sad. We live in a fractured environment politically, socially, economically, educationally, technologically. Dark days out there, right? I think we could probably take the microscope and put it in here as well. We're struggling in our family. Maybe we've had success in our job, but that has created an oppressive expectation to perform. We're not sure if retirement savings are going to hold out as long as we do. We're drinking too much. We're mired in debt. We feel alone. Now, you, listen, you got great parts of your life, too. I'm not trying to say that it's all bad, but, I mean, you don't, you don't want to complain. We can always find somebody who's got it worse than we do. But let's be honest. Each of us has those parts of our lives that as soon as we pay any attention to it, our anxiety jumps. And sometimes we just rather ignore it, but that doesn't really help. Sometimes we think about it obsessively. That doesn't really help either. <coughs> Whatever it is in your life, Isaiah's words are for you. And the other thing to consider is that God is not talking here about a magic trick. I mean, it's kind of like magic. It's got what me thinking about. It's what's got me thinking about magic. But it's not illusion. What he's talking about here is real because he is real. He's breaking into a situation that would be otherwise impossible to change. And he's inserting himself as the divine redeemer. Now, Isaiah is speaking the words of a uniquely and divinely appointed anointed one. Sort of personifying this anointed one. And these words are for you, and these words are for real. This is what God says through um, Isaiah, this, this anointed one. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Now listen to what he's anointed me for. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed. To bind up, it means to heal, to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to those in captivity. Release to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God. Now that's bad news if you're a perpetrator, but it's pretty good news if you're a victim. The day of vengeance. <coughs> Proclaim comfort to all who mourn. Now listen to what the anointed one is handing out. A garland instead of ashes. That would have been like a wedding crown. 
instead of the ashes of mourning that would have been smeared over their heads. So it's like, like a, it's a total reversal. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A mantle or like a shawl of praise instead of a faint spirit. And they shall build up what was in ruins. They shall raise up the devastations. And we can go on and on. We've got, there's more of the Isaiah list that we don't have time to explain. But what seemed impossible is being promised as certain. This is not God helps those who help themselves. This is God helps those who can't help themselves. And God helps those who finally acknowledge that they cannot help themselves. That's His character. That's God's modus operandi. He helps the helpless. We just sang the Magnificat. Proud hearts and stubborn wills are put to flight. The hungry fed. The humble lifted high. Firm is His promise and His mercy is sure. Remember Fleming Rutledge said, Advent begins in the dark. It is into the dark that the light shines. It's into the dark that the Word breaks. And Rutledge goes on to write that it is from beyond human capacity that the announcement comes. The light that shines in the darkness is not the light of religion, not even the light of religious faith. It is the uncreated light. Not a part of this darkened sphere, this world, at all. Not bound by it. Not contiguous with it. Not limited by it. Not projected from it. Not coexistent with it, but rather God from God, light from light, very God of very God, begotten, not made. Advent begins in the dark, but it does not end there. Now you might ask, okay, great, but how? Right? And that was a long time ago. I'm still suffering here. Well, many years after Isaiah spoke these words, Jesus Christ walked into the synagogue that he grew up in, in this, his hometown of Nazareth, and he stood up to read. And they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. And he opened it to these verses, and Jesus read to all those who were there, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the mission of the baby in the manger. This is the Christ child, now all grown up, declaring why He's come. He has come, born into our darkness to set us free from everything that keeps us from Him. In Him is perfect freedom. In Him is perfect freedom. He's come to shine the light of His saving and redeeming grace into the darkness of this world. It's worth shouting about. He has come into the darkness of our hearts. He's come to give us a beautiful garland instead of ashes. He has come to give us the oil of gladness instead of mourning. He's come to promise you that in Him there is always hope that the sad and lonely and sick and hard times will never be wasted in His economy. That all things work to the good of those who love Him. 
that joy and happiness are two different things. He's come to set you free from the false identities that entangle you by letting you find your identity in Him and in His finished work. He's come to forgive you for your sins and to help you forgive those who have sinned against you because that's part of your freedom. He's come to make the impossible possible because with God all things are possible. It's not magic, but it is miraculous. For in whatever way that you're oppressed or where you have been violated, whatever addiction or fear is holding you captive, whatever grief has you brokenhearted, the baby in the manger breaks into our waiting and He answers our longing and He shall be our Savior and He shall be our hope for He is Christ the Lord. Amen.